Hi everyone. Um, wow, I felt like I was shot back to youth ministry days watching all those um, games. I don't know how many of you, I walked in the room this morning and I could just feel like I'm even looking at a couple of people that I saw this morning and there was just like this energy this morning around love and feelings and like um, I was um, happy that I'm married um, because wowza, I remember those days where you're like, the guys have to like have a go. I mean, I know things are changing, which actually is probably not a bad thing, but the, I remember being at school, um, we're talking about it to some of our, or I was chatting to some of our staff that aren't married and going, oh, you have to take a risk. And I remember on one Valentine's Day, I messaged a girl like this long, like you guys don't know this, but SMSs used to pay per SMS. So it was like two rand 50, five rand, like it was a full on seven rand 50 message. Um, just like all the things that like, I, I liked about her, loved, and, and then I didn't get a response. And there's no like, you know, now in WhatsApp, you can be like, delete for all. Like, there's none of that going on, you know? So then I obviously messaged and said, sorry, wrong, wrong girl. Um, <laughs> complete lie, but, but uh, yeah. So uh, Valentine's Day, look, I know Valentine's Day, kind of like New Year's resolutions really divides the room. Like some people are like full on lovers of Valentine's Day, all the emotions, the feelings, the chocolates, the romance. Others are like, it is a commercialized nonsense. So I don't know where you find yourself in the room, but I, I hope my message is gonna speak to you either way. And I'm probably gonna err a little on being the Grinch of Valentine's today. So I thought in order to make sure that I don't lose some of the room, especially those, we've got a lot of our younger home groups in the room today. So they're like, we love Valentine's Day because we need love. And, uh, and so I brought this along with me. You probably can't really read it um, on the screen, um, but I'll tell you, this is just to, um, as a disclaimer to really show you that I am a man of love and a, a, I don't know that I actually like the way that I just introduced myself, but I am a romantic at heart. Um, and and uh, so I'll tell you how I proposed to my wife. Um, so we were in Italy, uh, it was eight years ago and my wife had never been to Rome. And so I bought uh, speed train tickets um, that cost me a huge amount of money, but we were Christians, so we couldn't stay the night anywhere, um, and so we had to do Rome in a day. Um, so can Rome be built in a day or conquered in a day? Absolutely it can. Um, and so I wrote 10 love letters to my wife um, after buying her an outfit in Milan, um, and then I gave her each of these love letters, um, and each was um, kind of whispering my sweet nothings, you know, to to her and telling her how much I loved her. And on top of that, there was a location um, in a different part of Rome. So we walked Rome, we did like 15, 20 Ks that day. And it was different locations in Rome um, with all the different things she loves. So she loves ice cream, we went to like Rome's best ice cream place and she loves pizza and then there were flowers. And so we did this whole kind of thing. And the last letter was this, which I had um, got my father-in-law to phone ahead um, and this is a, um, it's written in Roman, um, kind of the, the, the old Roman writings, and it says, will you marry me? And uh, I gave her this letter on a rowing boat on a lake um, in Rome. So I just, 
I just want to say that um, my services are there for any guys, um, and if you are dating a guy and you're worried about his proposal, um, you can send him to me and I will. But I want to tell that story just as a little disclaimer before I, I grinch on Valentine's for a moment. Um, and I think that, you know, whether you love Valentine's or not, none of us would argue with this statement that Hollywood's version of love is not working. Hollywood's version of love is, is not working. And when I say Hollywood, I mean like music, media, uh, movies. It just isn't working. And uh, they portray this notion of love that's like fluffy and rainbows and I don't know, floating on clouds and duets at the back, you know, in the back of cars and like endless laughter and sunsets and sunrises. And I actually think God wants us to enjoy all those things. But I just think that love is a little more than that. And actually, when you begin to scan the scriptures, when you begin to look at what the Word of God says about love, it's actually quite different to that. The Word of God starts to describe love that is a lot more rugged and gritty and sacrificial and hard. And I would go further than that and say it's probably sometimes more hard than easy, love. It's more messy than it is pretty. Like you can't put it on a Pinterest board. Like, have you ever seen those expectation versus reality um, photos? I've got a couple that are going to pop up on the screen. Um, but you know that. Like, you're like, that's what I ordered and that's what I got. Um, we can roll to the next one. Um, or like, I'm going to look really good, except like, I'm not, I don't really look that good. Or that's my son's birthday. You know, it's not really our son's birthday, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Expectation versus reality. You know what the problem is? You know what the problem is? If you think love should be packaged in a certain way, and then God asks you to love in another way, you're gonna be really disappointed. You got this expectation. This is what love should look like. This is how it should feel. And then God's like, well, actually, I'm gonna flip the script. It looks quite gritty and hard and sacrificial. And, and you're like, no, but I didn't order that. I ordered... I ordered that top. How come it looks so bad and difficult and hard? And, and so, I, again, I'm not denying the raw emotions. I mean, when, when the birth of our three kids, I, I was there and I was overcome by love and emotions on our wedding day. I was overcome by emotions. We officiate, Hilton, myself, and other pastors officiate weddings, and you can tangibly feel the raw emotions and love. And I believe God wants all of that, but it just is more than that. And the person that I have endeavored to love the most is my wife. And I can tell you that there's been as many hard days as there have been easy days. In fact, if you had to ask my wife, she'd probably say there've been more hard days than there have been easy days. Um, but social media pumps out these false notions of love and the world is taking them hook, line, and sinker. Think about it. Most times when we talk about love, it's about me. It's about me finding love. That's why we got sayings like, find love, fall in love, looking for love. It's this, and, and, and I get that there's some space for this, but there's like such a large narrative at the moment around self-love. It's like, just look after me. Just love me. Make sure I'm number one. Make sure I'm priority. And yet I don't find that in the scriptures. And so we need to be careful that we don't have this very self-centered soundtrack 
that we're listening to and then wondering why we feel hollow on the inside. God sets this blueprint for love in probably the most famous passage of all of the Bible. It's John chapter 3, verse 16, and it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave. The blueprint for love is not receiving. The blueprint for love is giving. And the, the, the hollow feeling that many of us are feeling is because we're trying to love on ourselves. We're trying to find love, fall in love, get love, look for love. And God's like, give it. Give it and you'll get it. So church, who are we getting our marching orders from? Hollywood or the Word? 1 Corinthians 13 is probably the most famous uh, chapter on love and one of the most famous hills quoted at all the weddings um, if you kind of go to a stock standard wedding we don't try and do stock standard weddings but like it is overquoted, and 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 it's an entire chapter written by Paul on love 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and it actually ends like this 1 Corinthians 13 verse 13 says and these three things remain faith hope and love but the greatest of these is love. Basically what Paul's writing here is it's like, if you want to know the three major things that count, the only things that are going to last, it's faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. In fact, we did a series on that not so long ago. Uh, but, but that's how the verse ends, or the chapter ends. Do you want to hear how it starts and what the kind of meat is in the middle? He, he starts off by describing, and we'll read it together, but he actually describes all these spiritual uh, giftings and attributes. He, he, he begins to write about all these things that Christians do or should be doing, but he describes them without love. Listen what it says. It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move a mountain, but do not have love, I am Nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and uh, give over my body for hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Ba basically, Paul's like, you can prophesy, you can have large faith, you can give all your money away, you can suffer hardship, but if you don't have love, Paul's effectively saying this to the Corinth Christians and to us, that we should remember that it's not giftedness that's the measure of maturity but that love is. In other words, I can look deeply spiritual and still look nothing like Jesus. And then he maps out what love really looks like. Not Hollywood's version, God's version of love. Love 101, Christianity 101. And it starts out by basically saying two things that love is and eight things that love is not. And it starts the verse that says this, love and just by the way, I've gone with a very old school version of the Bible uh, today, the New King James, not even that, it's got new on the front of it, we could go with like Old King James, but we've gone with New King James, because sometimes you want to get old school when it comes to love. It says this, love suffers long and is kind. Love suffers long and is kind. The first two things described are action words. Paul is not writing about how love feels, he is writing about how it can be seen in action. Quite different from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet or the latest Netflix binge you just watched. I, I want to feel love. God's like, well, I'll, let me, rather than feel, let me show you by action words what it looks like. It, 
let's pick it apart a little further. It says, love suffers long. Some versions say love is patient. And to love people, even when they've disappointed you, hurt you, upset you, this is what God is requiring of us, to be patient. In fact, the actual imagery, when you begin to unpack this verse, it actually speaks about the fact that you have the ability to bring about revenge, but you choose not to. Do you know when you can like, you, you could say, you could stand your ground, you could give them back what they deserve, but you choose to love. Let me tell you something about love is patient. One of the greatest ways that you can live love, love is patient is when you've got kids at two in the morning and they're screaming and they're going mental. There is a lot that wants to come out your mouth. Long suffering. 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. Are we willing to have long suffering? We all have people in our lives. Often we just discard them, push them away. Ah, you're too hard to love. Love is kind. So love is long-suffering and love is kind. Um, when I was growing up, and they still do it, my kids have just started, um, at school they would do something called show and tell. Does anybody remember that? You would take an item to school and you would have to show and tell. And I'll never forget, every time I was on show and tell, my dad, I'd have the item and my dad would go, what's that for? And I'd say, show and tell. And he'd say, who's Chantel? And I'd be like, no, it's show and tell. He'd say, hmm, that's nice for Chantel. And it used to infuriate me. Until my daughter was on show and tell, and I'm like, hmm, who's Chantel? I mean, it, it'll work a little better with Roman, um, but, uh, but honestly, I believe that when it comes to our love, we can't just tell people we love them. We have to show people that we love them. What marks you? You're hard? You're harsh? You're kind? Somebody go, man, you're, you're a kind person. And before I jump on with the rest of this uh, passage, if I was going to give today a title, I would call it Love One. Not W-O-N, but Love One, O-N-E. And I'll tell you why, when I was discussing this sermon with my wife, she made this comment to me. She said that sometimes it's harder to love one than it is to love all. Now, I don't know if she was talking about me, but sometimes it's harder to love one than it is to love all. Do you know what I mean by that? I mean that sometimes it's easy to like love everyone. But God's asking us to love that one. Sometimes it's easier to, you know, be a lovely person to everybody. And God's like, yeah, but could you love that one? I actually think God's asking all of us as Christians to ask him, who's the one you need me to love? Love one, who in this season, is it your teenager that's just driving you nuts? Is it your husband or your wife? I wrote down wives here. I don't know why I wrote that down. Do not love all your wives, just love your one wife. Um, but is it your brother, your sister, your parent, your friend, your work colleague? Who is the one? See, because we can walk away from a message like this and go, oh, yeah, 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 I need a love. But how do we actually put that into practice? Oh, God, I need a love that one. Think about Jesus. He often in the crowd finds the one. It's like, oh, Zacchaeus in the tree. Okay, come. Oh, the woman with the issue of blood. Okay, let's engage there. Let's love one more than just being a lovely person. 
if we could love one, then I think truly love has won. So the two first things is love suffers long and love is kind. Then it's eight things that love is not. You ready for them? Love does not envy. Love does not resent when someone else is promoted or blessed. Love is ever willing that others should be preferred before them. I think sometimes we write envy off as like a small thing. Say, ah, you know, I'm just a little bit jealous. It doesn't really matter. It's not a big deal. But you know that envy murdered Abel, envy put Joseph in a pit, and envy put Jesus on a cross. Listen to what it says. It says, for he knew, this is out of the Bible, for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. That's Jesus. Let's deal with our envy. There have been times, honestly, I've got to be honest with you, where I've thought like, hmm, don't know that they deserve that. Hmm, don't know if that's the right call. Mm, don't think you actually know everything about that person. I'm like, well, hold on. Let me just have a deep dive here. What's going on in my heart? Is it because it's me? Is it because I've been overlooked? Is it because of my issues? And be careful the voices that fan the flame of envy in your life. Do you know that people can be right but still be wrong, which means it's not helpful? They can come and tell you, hmm, you should have, they could have. Careful when somebody fans envy into flame in your heart. It goes on to say, love does not parade itself. Other versions say, it does not boast. Love in action can work anonymously. It does not have to have the limelight or attention to do a good job. You ready for some brutal truth? I was reading some commentaries, and this one said this about love. Sometimes the people who seem to work the hardest at love are the ones furthest from it. They do things many people perceive as loving, yet they do them in the manner that would parade itself. This isn't love. It is pride looking for glory by the appearance of love. Can I speak to our social media enthusiasts for a moment? Sometimes I, I look at what's going on in social media, and there are a lot of pros, but I look at like, the pretentiousness of social media. And it gets to me. I'm like, I, I watch people write things about other people and they're like, you're the best, best, or you're brilliant, or you're amazing, or quite phenomenal, or unbelievable. And, I, and this is what I'm thinking to myself when I see that. I got no problem with encouragement if it's sincere and real. But if it's pretentious, I got a problem. This is the question I'm asking. Are you speaking the same way to your husband and your wife at home? Are you speaking the same way to your friends in person? Or are you, in the name of love, actually looking for this kind of attention back because you're like, want people to think you're so loving? It's like, oh my gosh, you're amazing. You're like, well, do you speak to people like that in your own life? I know, I know, it's getting a little hot and you're like, this is hectic. We're going to go a little hotter for a little while more, and then it's going to get good news. It goes on to say that love is not puffed up, or other versions say it is not proud. Among Christians, the worst pride is spiritual pride. William Carey, some of you may know him, is thought by many to be the founder of modern missionary movement. Today, Christians all over the world will know him and honor him. He came from a humble place. He was a shoe repairman when God called him to reach the world. 
Once when Carrie was at a dinner party, a snobbish lord tried to insult him by saying very loudly, Mr. Carrie, I hear you were once a shoemaker. Carrie replied, no, your lordship, not a shoemaker, only a cobbler. Today, the name of William Carey is remembered throughout the world, but nobody remembers who the snobbish lord was. See, love doesn't boast or parade or puff up. Can I just go here for a moment? Sometimes we like to boast post. Do you know that, that world where it's like, I'm looking for love. I won't say that. Why don't I just boast post for a moment? I just um, started running, and to be honest, I can't call it running. It's just moving a little quicker than walking, and, uh, and some of the guys encouraged me to join um, Strava, and so I've jumped on, and it's been very discouraging to see um, how quick the whole world is and how slow I am. Um, and, and I actually really like it, because it's like, oh, you get to see different routes, and you get to encourage guys, and, and I think that's all good, but I do think there's a little bit there maybe of a boast post. Like, hey, look at me, just ran a 10K in under four minutes. If you do that, you're allowed to boast, okay? But, but I do, I think sometimes there's a boast post. It's like putting myself out there looking for love. Sometimes like I look, I'm just gonna go here for a moment because I know I'm a little older than some of you and I'm getting really old by this next comment. Sometimes I look on social media and I'm like, I, I'm embarrassed for you. <laughs> Why did you, what are you doing? The photos of myself, my best angle, trying to get, what? My achievements, my looks, my goals, my, sometimes we've got to be careful, guys, because we don't realize that we're looking for love instead of moving from a place of we are loved. And some of you are like, I call it, like, I thought this was love Sunday. Like, where is the love, the love, the love? That's Black Eyed Peas for those who had no clue what that song was. And the guys in the studio are like, please don't ever do that again. We couldn't make that work. And... But seriously, like, sometimes I, I think the world is asking, where is the love? Like the genuine Jesus, word-based, revolutionary Love, And I think it's going to take some deep refining in all of our hearts. It goes on to say it does not dishonor others. Every time, and I mean every time, we gossip or speak poorly of people or diminish someone or belittle them or power up on them. Every time we do that, love is not found in us. I, I want to just speak into this for a moment because sometimes we're going to love people in public and then diminish them in private. Make no mistake, this love is not love at all. It's humanistic. True love is those who won't speak behind people's backs, will only honor, will only lift up, will only boast not in themselves but in others. It goes on to say, it is not self-seeking. This is straight out of one of the commentaries. It says, that man is no Christian at all who is concerned for his own happiness alone and cares not how the world goes so that himself may be comfortable. It goes on to say, it is not easily angered. Some versions say provoked. An anger church is a gift from God to stand up for others, not for yourself. Much of the time, our anger is actually self-preservation. Anger is a gift from God to stand up on behalf of unrighteousness and injustice. It's not there to stand your ground. 
Scripture says it's not easily angered. And often when I, when I become so angry, I have to ask myself, is it because I've been put out? Because truly, to love is to not be easily angered. Goes on, last of the eight, and it says, it, sorry, there's two more. It keeps no record of wrongs. Husbands, wives, just think about any fight. My wife is like, whoa, you can't remember to get bread on the way home, but somehow you can remember the last six years worth of fights and when I did right and when I did wrong. Keeps no record of wrongs. Imagine we were able to love the way the word is calling us to love. There's a tribe in Polynesia where it is customary for each man to keep some reminders of his hatred for others. These reminders are suspended from the roof of their huts to keep alive the memory of the wrongs, real or imagined. We do the same. We do the same. You're like, what? That's crazy, some barbaric, like, we do the same. We keep all these reminders of things that happened and things that didn't even happen, but we just... Love keeps no record of wrongs. And it ends its eight-part, what loves are not, and it says this, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And I have quoted this so many times, you're gonna get bored of it, but this is one of my favorite Beth Moore quotes. It says this, you will watch a generation of Christians, yes, of Christians, set the Bible aside in an attempt to become more like Jesus, and stunningly, it will sound completely plausible. This will perhaps be the cleverest of all the devil's schemes in your generation. Sacrifice truth for love's sake. And you will rise or fall based upon whether you will sacrifice one for the other. Will you have the courage to live in the tension of both truth and love? I'm just going to drive this point home just a little stronger. Because the world is pushing us to ignore truth for love's sake. If you're not in the word, your love will be hollow. The word is our truth, it's our standard. Apart from the word, your love is humanistic. It has to have the word because the word stirs the spirit and the spirit points us to truth and truth and love work together. It's the only way we're gonna conquer evil. Let's land this thought today and talk about four more things that love is. So it says two things that love is, eight things that love isn't, and then four things that love is. Love is strong, believing, hopeful, and enduring. Verse seven says it like this. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Charles Spurgeon calls these four virtues love's four sweet companions. The only difficulty with this bit here I'm, I'm good with strong, believing, hopeful, enduring. I'm like, yes. It's just said all, all things. Like we can bear some things. We can believe some things. We can hope for some things and we can endure some things. Just not all things. You know, sometimes we're like, no, God will understand. If he, if he just knows this person, if he knows the situation. Now, let me just quick disclaimer. 
I'm not talking about any situation of abuse here. You do not have to endure abuse. You do not have to push through abuse. You need to go and speak to a counselor or reach out to a pastor or a friend and ask for help. But for the rest of us, let me tell you, a little knock here or a little knock on your pride or a little bit of humility is not abuse. That's us choosing Jesus over Hollywood's feels. I hear these young guys um, say, oh, I'm catching feelings. I'm like, that's awesome. You catch your feelings. I hope you're sowing some belief of love. I hope you're sowing some word. Here they are. Bears all things, meaning it actually always protects. The word bears can actually be translated covered. Now, I don't have time to get into the story, but there's an account where Noah messes up. He actually gets drunk, and his son comes through and sees, and goes through to the other two sons and is like, what? Have you seen dad? Butt naked and drunk. The other two sons walk in backwards with a blanket, and they cover up Noah. See, love doesn't expose, covers. Sometimes people get this little like, ooh, but do you know that they did? Go, whoa, whoa, whoa. That doesn't look anything like love. I don't expect you to be perfect, but I do expect that I would cover your imperfections. Love always protects. Let's cover, not expose. Love believes all things. It always trusts. Let's choose to believe the best in others. Don't write people off. Give them another chance. Believe that they can be better. Sometimes people hurt us once or twice, and we're like, yeah, they're always going to be like that. Can't do that, church. God's calling us to a higher standard. Goes on to say, hopes all things. Love has this confidence about the future, not pes- uh, like this pessimism. pessimism. It will, you know, sometimes when people are like, it'll always be this way. Come on, how's your hope? How's your outlook on your marriage? Oh, well, always has, always will be. That's not love. How do you speak about your kids? The workplace, your church, your friends. Love always hopes and it endures all things. Now, most of us can bear all things, believe all things and hope all things, but only for a while. But God's like, no, no, you keep enduring. You keep persevering. You keep pushing through. The greatness of this Christ love is it keeps bearing, believing and hoping. It doesn't give up. And this kind of love that Jesus is calling us to, when we do it, verse eight happens. And verse eight says this, love never fails. Never. Not once. You're never going to get it wrong by loving. It never fails. Love always wins. Love is a war on the world system. I want to encourage some of you because I know there's some of you listening that have been plowing with love for a spouse, for a kid, for a parent. I want to tell you, don't give up. Keep plowing. Keep loving. Keep persevering. Keep enduring. Keep believing. Keep having hope in your heart because love never fails.
So we'll land on this famous verse we spoke about earlier that sets the blueprint for love. For God so loved the world, that means every single one of us, that He gave His one and only Son. And I'll come to the end of that verse in a moment, but you know, I love that this verse doesn't say, for God had love for the world. I love that it says loved, as in past tense, as in decision made, as in nothing you can do to lose that love. God so loved, done, finished, decision made. When I sent my son, whether you were gonna respond to that love or not makes no difference. Some of you need to know whether you know Jesus or don't know Jesus, you need to be encouraged today that God loves you the same way that 1 Corinthians 13 is spelled out. He's patient. He's kind with you. Even if it's long-suffering, He keeps no record of your wrongs. Even yesterday's. He always believes, always hopes, always protects never, ever gives up. That's the kind of love that we can hold on to. It's the only way that we're able to love the world like that is that if we first receive this love, if we sit in the presence of that love, not in your own strength, not in your own work, but by receiving this love that's completely unfair and then giving it in a completely lavish an unfair way to the world. Can we pray together? I'd love you to close your eyes. If you're here today in the room or online and you didn't know that Jesus loves you like this and you've never received Jesus, that verse, John chapter 3, verse 16, it's gonna come back up on the screen. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whomsoever would believe, would not perish, would not die, but would have eternal life. The Bible says when we open up our heart to Jesus, that we receive Him as both our Savior and our Lord, that we are instantly saved, that we have a place reserved for us in heaven, and that Jesus makes His home in our hearts. And we wanna give every single person an opportunity to do that, that you would not miss this moment. You can just pray a simple prayer. I'm gonna lead you in it to help you, I'm gonna ask those in the room just to repeat after me, but you can repeat loudly if you want at home or in your heart. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for loving me this way, for sending your son to die on a cross, to take all my sin and all my shame and nail it to that cross once and for all. Jesus, today, I ask you, to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.